the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. Hi everyone, I hope you're all well. In today's This Is My Story, I chat with Nigel James. Nigel gives us an insight into his Christian journey and how God has moved in his life. Well, thanks for chatting with me, Nigel. It's, uh, it's really good to catch up with you, and uh, you know, it's nice to to have a chance to hear your story. Um, first yeah, question, really, is we've been uh, praying for your mum uh, over the last few weeks. How's she doing? Well, she's doing remarkably well. Um, I say she's been in an enormous battle with her, with this COVID nineteen, and we thought we nearly lost her at one kid stage, but. Um, through through something I say is prayers and uh, and God working, she's actually pulled through it and uh, she's actually home now. Fantastic. So she's uh, she's your dad now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we'll uh, we'll come back and we'll have a, a bit more of a chat about that later. Um, I yeah, think you grew up in Oakdale, didn't you? Uh, did you have any contact with any of the churches in the village? Well, I was born in 1960, and uh, my dad. Um, had a bit of a lucky win on the, on the football pools, and uh, built a house in right where the villagers is the the old um, pubs they are the workingmen's yeah, yeah. pub. And from six, I moved. We moved in there when I was six, and um, that's when I started going to Sunday school. Um, so I attended St David's uh, uh, Church there up on the hill just below our church, yeah. and. Um, I think it was more or less mum sent me up there to uh, get me out of the way when she was <laughs> cooking dinner and stuff, you know. Uh, but yeah, I can. I got a really good memory. My wife always says to me, oh, you remember more about the past than you do the present. But I can remember walking up to that uh, church on a Sunday morning for 10 o'clock and uh, I used to have this um, little tartan dicky bowl with elastic and all the kids used to twang it, you know. And it was a it was a great time. It was we all did uh, lots of stuff up there, you know. So as you grew older, did you uh, keep going to church? Well, <clears throat> carried on. I think till I was about twelve. Um, yeah, it was um, pretty much from six till twelve. Most Sunday mornings, I would go. I suppose teenage things took took over and. Uh, I stopped going when I was about thirteen, I believe. And and what was uh, life like for you? You know, did you going into your twenties and thirties and stuff? Well, <clears throat> come to the end of school at comp, I had a um, apprenticeship done in Newport, and that's where my the next stage of my life took over. Really, uh, I worked hard in the nights doing all my schoolwork and stuff going back before Newport on a, on a motorcycle, which was one of my loves at the time. Um, and I was really dedicated to, to work for a, for a couple of years. And then I suppose my shyness disappeared around about when I was 17. And um, I plucked up the courage and I, I got involved with a couple of girlfriends at the time. And uh, that escalated into the into drinking um, you know, discos and uh, that sort of stuff, really. So that's when things started to 
change into into adult adulthood then yeah sure so sort of not really paying any attention to sort of god or what you'd learned in church just sort of just living life really is it was that how it was yeah it was just i think god was on the back boiler then so how did you meet jenny well um i think i was about um 20 um we, there was a, a disco down in Crumlin Rugby Club, and um, I'd um, started. We used to have a few beers in in Oakdale, quite a few friends there. We'd all go down to Crumlin and uh, have a good drink down there. And uh, obviously, uh, I remember uh, this uh, very petite, pretty girl, uh, beautiful smile, and these lovely teeth. And um, I sort of had a few dances over the time, and I had my eye on her, but she had another boyfriend at the time, and uh, I was trying to to prize her away from him, but I, she wouldn't at the time. But anyway, uh, I suppose my luck changed Christmas Eve in 1980, and um, we ended up having a chat, and she told me that she'd finished a relationship with this young lad from, from Trioen, and I arranged to meet her then on Christmas Day. So from there on, we courted for four years and uh, asked her to marry me then in um, May the 25th in 1985. Mm. <laughs> Seems an eternity away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a bit like Beauty and the Beast, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. So- so, so obviously, you know, like I say, you're, you're miles away from God. You, he's on the back burner. How did you get to, back to a point where church was where you found yourself? Yeah, I suppose um, there was some seeds being sown uh, at the time. You know, without going into too much detail, um, we had um, recent carers, 1986, 88, um, and everything was fine, you know, I suppose. Um, Certain things happened in our our marriage, which perhaps uh, altered a few things. And and basically, um, sin crept in a little bit, really. Um, And we were in trouble. Mm. Um, It was really hard for for all of us, even the the kids as well, you know. And um, hurt, revenge and anger took over. And we became like opposite poles of a magnet. Um, I would do anything at the time to be alone or to w- try and work things out, but sometimes you can't work these things out. But in our street, there was um, two amazing people. Um, I gotta watch, I get emotional when I talk about it. But uh, there was, there was um, a couple, with a, a few uh, teenage children, Mary and Graham from Tab Life Church, and Oh, since we moved in in uh, 85, uh, Mary would always, would always say, oh, why don't you come down to church with us and down to Tab, which is Pont and Tab's Tab Life Centre. But, you know, we, ours not for us, you know, it was a bit sort of uh, out of bounds to us, really, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, and didn't mean nothing to us, you know. But at that time, when we were going through all them serious problems, uh, I remember one day I was in the in the garage and I was sort of sat on the on the bonnet of the car thinking and 
my mind was whirling around trying to sort things out, which I couldn't. And uh, she walked up the thing. She said, oh, just to let you know, Nigel, we are praying for you. You know, we know where you're going through. And we, are, we are praying for you. And uh, so oh, thank you very much. You know, and that was about it, really. Mm. But um, we were getting divorced. We were um, a couple of days from the absolute of the marriage. And uh, a couple of things happened. It sort of paused everything. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it was difficult times. So what we decided to do then, it was, um, I said, we had this house, which I loved. Um, it wasn't really in the right spot. Really. There was lots of uh, distractions around us, which which were really helpful. Yeah, yeah. So all we decided to do was to sell a house at a, quite a big profit. And we'd moved to another house um, and we bought it cash in drilling. And the idea was that if things never worked out, I would walk away and then Jenny would have a house with the kids and I would uh, start life again, you know. But um, at the time we... We got on really well again, and I suppose, you know, we've been together for a long time. We had two lovely little kids, and uh, and it was a lot to, to just throw away, you know. So, so how, how did you end up back at church then? Because obviously well, you, 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 your life was kind of getting back together a bit. So yeah, how, how church, yeah. how God? Well, what happened was uh, rolling a few years on from that, I started an um at the time, I started a new business, and that was a twenty-four-seven thing. It was no, no room for distractions. It was full on all the time, yeah. and we moved to our house where we were in our current house, current house in a better sort of area. Now things had stabilised, and um, we we carried on. Well, the business that I had, I ran it for nearly five years, and I got a little bit fed up of it so I decided to go back to um, to engineering so I did um, and then in, in that office environment I remember Jenny saying to me now I think we we can have to watch things now because you're in the world again now because I was out she, was, she was, wasn't in control of me mm. in the respect of business it was it was another environment I was in now, and she was quite right. And uh, I suppose I started to drift a bit, started going on nights out and different things with lads in work, and it was a slippery slope, and mm. um, I went a bit AWOL. Um, it was gone quite, went quite bad again and arguing a lot and stuff. Of course, the children were uh, growing up now. But... Um, Oh, uh, my daughter met a, a, a young chap, and he went to um, a baptism, and uh, he was a, basically what they called a backslider at the time. I didn't really know what a backslider was, but his parents are quite um, full on in the church, Victory Church in um, um, in Merthyr there at the time, and. Um, he decided to come back to the Lord. So <clears throat> my daughter was obviously in love with this guy and uh, she was watching what, he, what was happening in his life and she decided to 
join in with it under a little bit of uh, screaming and shouting. <laughs> so she got into the word and um, eventually got married. Well, at the time I won that uh, keen on the, on the environment, if you like. I went to the church a few times and they were all dancing and bouncing about the place. I thought they were all a bit mad, to be honest. <laughs> and um, of course, my my life was in a in a a, um, a quandary. I wasn't a, a good husband, and um, I knew, really speaking, that I needed to change. But at the time, Jenny started to go on church, and she'd come home and say, "This house is so so cold." And I used to say, well, turn eating up. She said, no, you don't understand. She said, it's cold. There's no love in this house. All right, okay. So, And then around the same time then, Jenny was into um, the word and preachers, and John Hagee came up on the, on the telly, on YouTube it was actually. We were watching it. And I was fascinated with this guy from Texas who had like 3,000 odd in his congregation. And his word was spoke, and it really read into my heart. And I was listening, and I, he was like talking about the word and different things. And it was I was self-judging myself, and I thought, yeah, he's right. You know, I am that. And a lot of the stuff he was saying was so so true. I suppose it was that was a, a softening mm -hmm. that I was going through. Anyway, Keris now was getting married, so we were all togged up going down to Tab. I was a bit nervous. And anyway, we, we stood outside the the entry to the church there and uh, ba 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 bum ba ba bum off the, uh, the bridal mark went. And then we, I was totally blown away because the doors opened. There was like, pfft, must have been three, three, four, five hundred maybe in that church. And um, my fears and my anxieties just disappeared. The church absolutely erupted. It was absolutely awesome. And we got to the front. I was a little bit tearful, handing my daughter over to this uh, young man. And the pastor at the time was uh, Sarah Trinder, and uh, she was such a flamboyant person, you know, a bubbly, diamond-sprinkled woman but so happy so in love with the lord and i thought wow you know how can somebody be so happy anyway we went through the um the service and everything and then so uh, there was a chap there called carl hicklin and uh he he was a marvelous chap and uh, he spoke on what is love and he spoke on very well and uh it was quite intriguing. And at the end, he said, love is Jesus nailed to the cross. And I thought, how bizarre is that? You know, and it's sort of, I was thinking about it all the time. What do you mean? How can love be Jesus nailed to the cross? I didn't have a clue what he was on about. Anyway, after that, I, uh, we went to the church a few times and, uh, as I said, I was listening to John Hagee as well at the time. And uh, I'd lost my job. Um, I was, wasn't was a good husband in my own mind. I was self-judging myself. And Keres decided to get baptized. 
So we were all invited down to the uh, baptism. And um, at, at the time there, there was a, a woman, uh, Maria, and um, she was on the stage there talking about Jesus. And, uh, you know, he was, again, convicting me of the things she was saying. It was, I was like, as if there was a big finger pointed at me in the congregation. <laughs> anyway, she asked, if anybody wants another start, um, who wants the love of Jesus to try again? Because we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And um, step forward, is somebody here today that needs to be saved? And I don't know, I can't really remember moving out of, out of the pew, but I walked down to the front and uh, we sit, read this, um, I repeated this prayer of salvation. Mm. And it was like, it was electric. It was, it was like weight was being taken away off me. It was felt like one of these lifting bells that had all, the, all the weights were dropping off it. And I was getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And uh, I was just in tears. I didn't know what was happening. I was like buzzing. And um, I was crying. But I know when I turned my head, I would have said there was 100 people crying. Mm. I, I was felt so special. I felt that I had a purpose again. Mm. I, had that, I had that as a chance that uh, I could right all the wrongs that I'd done. I could become a husband and a father again. And uh, when I made that, those vows in uh, church in 1985, those vows were so dominant in my mind because I was, I was promising God that I would follow his ways. And yet I felt by the wayside and uh, everything just took off after that, mm. job-wise relationships, everything changed, absolutely everything. I was happier. I was looked on people differently. You know, I wasn't so selfish. I, I was a man that would drink probably eight pints on a Friday and a Saturday night, which normally led to an argument of some form. Just didn't want alcohol anymore. Still don't. Still don't want it. Um, Swearing, I wouldn't swear at all. But although I changed, other people changed around me as well. Is uh, like yeah, brothers, my brother and uh, my father changed. My father never swore, but he started <laughs> swearing. You know, yeah. he was amazing. Like you know, it does but, not come on his own, of, does it? You know? Yeah. So it's sort of the the whole not wanting to drink, not not swearing. Your language changes. Was that all sort of fairly instantaneous? Immediately. Yeah. Amazing. I started Amazing. listening to God. I started listening to gospel music. You know, um, there was um, a couple of people at the time modern uh, worship music. You know, I should love it. You know, mm. and so well, I would play on the on the iPad or the iPhone at the time it was this amazing music you know? mm. yeah it's an amazing journey you've been through Nigel so so looking back at it are there any uh, particular bits from the Bible uh, that have sort of stuck with you through that journey well one of the things that it still makes me quite 
sensitive, really, and uh, a bit weepy is uh, on Keras's, um wedding. They they read uh, one Corinthians thirteen. Oh, I love chapter. It's it was absolutely awesome. Um, I was listening here as a as an unsaved man, and if I, you know, in the beginning, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Well, I was all them things. Mm. And then it always protects, which I never did. Always trusts, which I never did. Always hopes. Always perseveres. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood things be behind me. Well, I didn't. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And, and that's the three things which I've got now, which I never had then. Amazing, mate. As a Christian, the hand of God is sometimes so obvious in, in, in situations we find ourselves. Uh, do any particular stand out for you? Oh, do you know what, Nick? If I could get a post-it pad, a leaf off a post-it pad, and stick it on on the church wall in front, on the front, on the where the cross is, mm -hmm. it would be totally full. I just so many things have happened. This my auntie, um, she was a marvelous auntie. She was a an auntie, my auntie Margaret. She was a modern auntie, if you like. She was a person that you could tell all your teenage worries to, mm -hmm. and they would stay with her. And she was so modern and uh, so lovely, you know. And um, unfortunately, 2009, she was only, I believe she was about 68, something like that. She developed Alzheimer's. And we went to, I know me, me, Keris, and Gerald and Jenny, we went up to see her because they lived in Krikawa. And she was struggling at the time to make a cup of tea. Anyway, um, they decided to move back home, so they had more of a family there to, to help out and stuff. Of course, they moved in at three doors away from me. Mm. So we used to have a couple of barbecues, and we just started going to church. And, and uh, I said to my uncle, I said, who still lives in the street with us now? I said, Uncle Keith, why don't you bring Auntie Marg down to um, Tab with us, down to church? He said, oh, that sounds good. He said, yeah, she'd like singing. Well, she was at the stage in a, in a disease where she could only say one word, okay. Everything was okay. And we went down there the first couple of weeks, and people were, because you wouldn't think there was anything wrong with her, would come up and, and say, talk to her, and she would say, okay, okay. Well, she used to sit in the same as us, and I'd always give her a cut and stuff, you know. And uh, one day, a hymn came on. I think it was, um, How Great Thou Art, How Great Thou Art. Mm. And it started off, and we all started singing, and she burst into song, and her voice was like an angel. Mm. It was, she knew every single word, and well, I was in bits, my uncle was in bits, and a lot of the people who knew she had this disease was in the bits. 
you know, and I, and I thought to myself, well, she knew all the words, so she was obviously a Christian and uh, followed the Lord. So if we actually went up onto the, to the, I took her into the front with, with Sarah that day, and uh, we prayed over her and uh, prayed the words of salvation over her. Obviously, she couldn't repeat any words or anything, but I just got this um, this feeling and hope that one day we will we will meet again. And that sort of thing have happened several times. Uh, another aunt was uh, a couple of years ago was, uh, on her last few days of her life in the hospital in Estrid Mark. And I went down there in the night. It was quiet and the nurses would let me go in. I took a Bible down and elder aunt and read scriptures, sang hymns to her. And I said, Auntie Nan, I said, uh, would you like to meet with the Lord? And I said, if you want, if you can think these words and repeat them in your mind, then we, you know, let's pray that the Lord saves her. And she actually held her hand out in space and received the word of God. And there was tears in her eyes. Um, you know, and we prayed for a mate of mine in in, uh, in work, major major cancer, and uh, we've been praying for him. And he's come through at the other other side, obviously with with a quite a massive um, operation. But he's you know he's full with the Lord now. He's sort of worshiping and he's singing to the to the to, the, to God. You know. And then recent recently is uh, this COVID nineteen. My mum and dad are, are ninety ninety one, and uh, my brother rang me up in work only a month ago, probably a month, just under a month ago. And he said, oh, now his mom's not very well, he said. She's struggling to breathe. So I left work at 10 o'clock. I went down the house there, and she was agitated, fidgeting, and she was um, gasping. She wasn't right, you know. She was answering questions very briefly, and she was in distress. So Dad sat there. Kerry was actually there as well because she does a little bit of cleaning for mum and dad. Mm. And I, I put my arm on her and we, I prayed for her and asked the Lord to, to heal her and to keep her safe. Anyway, we, I sat with her for a couple of hours and immediately I rang 999 because I know it was something all right. Anyway, the ambulance guy came and uh, put the oxygen sensor on her finger and said, She's 50% oxygen, and uh, she could go into cardiac arrest. So she got class 1 diabetes. She's got uh, an, an aneurysm on her aorta. She's got low blood pressure, and uh, he was a bit worried. So put the oxygen on her and took her down to the, to the, to the Gwent there. She was diagnosed with the the um, virus, which was devastating for us, really, because we knew at any age the odds are that she's not going to come from there with the diabetes as well. So, obviously, we I announced it to the church, and we've all been praying for her. Absolutely, yeah. Day, day nine, three o'clock in the morning, the phone rang. My brother was on the phone. He said, Nigel, our mum's um, in trouble. 
I don't think she's going to make it. The nurses there said, if you want to come down, can you, will you come down? But I know it's an horrible situation. It was so tearful. <laughs> Preserving my own life meant not going down there because I didn't want to catch that virus. Mm. So the nurse ran back and said, look, we've no point in coming down. We've just sedated her with morphine. She's comfortable now. Her breathing's returned to normal. You know, touch base in the morning. But I just, I just got on my knees. And uh, Mike I just, uh, preached the other day of basically falling on your face. Mm. Well, I fell on my face in the bedroom there, half past three in the morning, pleading with God to, to let her have this other, this other ch this chance. Well, next day, she was sat eating her breakfast. <laughs> then everything was up and down. She was she was totally reliant on 100% oxygen. And the consultant said, we can't give her any more. If she can't survive on this oxygen, then she she's not going to proceed to get better. I rang her up via Skype, actually. One of the nurses was kind enough to answer the phone for her. She was gasping for air. That was on the Sunday night. Again, I said to mom, I said, oh, mom, start praying for yourself, you know, we are praying for you. And even my dad, who was a total atheist, um, he, he rang me up in the morning. And he said, Nigel, he said, I've been praying to you a God this morning that he gives me a chance to be with mom. If it's only for a few hours, can I be with her at home? Because we were totally separated from her because of the virus. Mm. Well, praying again, Lord, Lord, please clear those lungs, take away that muck, whatever it is in the lungs, take it away in Jesus' name. Come on, Lord, do it for us, please. Anyway, Monday, she rang up. I might be coming home tomorrow. Well, I didn't believe it. I thought, oh, Mom's a bit confused. Yeah. 92, you know, she's in severe stress. But then, on the Tuesday, the ambulance turned up outside the house, and now she's sat in the house again. And I've seen her recently because I'm trying to keep my distance from her, obviously because of the, the um, two-meter rule and all the other sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And I spoke to her through the door, and she looks, she looks well. She's lost weight. She um, needs to rebuild herself now. And I said, look, ma'am, don't you forget, the Lord has helped, you know. The Lord yeah. has given you another chance. So I said, next time we meet properly and we can have a nice coach, I said, we'll play that, pray that, pray that prayer of salvation. Yeah. Yeah. And our dad was so, so thankful for it, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely unbelievable. And you and Jan, are you coping all right um, with all this stuff that's going on? Obviously, it's, it's it, you know, the, in in one way with your mum, it's 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 a fantastic story. It's a miracle and stuff. Mm -hmm. So so in that way, this, this has really been a um, almost a blessing for your family in that sense. Yeah. But, but you guys, you guys doing okay and stuff? Yeah, you know, we enjoy the the worships that we're having on on uh, YouTube with the church on the church website as well. And um, yeah, it's sort of. I walk around now with my once a day my exercise with a couple of the dogs there, in, especially in the evening. I have a, a good loop around the village, and I, I pray for our village. Mm. I pray for um, 
salvation for mum and dad. We pray that this virus will disappear. You know, and God answers prayers. And uh, he's an amazing God. And I, if anyone is listening to this podcast and uh, they might know me or might not. And uh, I say my dad's complete atheist and he's, he's been praying to my God. But I said to dad, he says, not my God, is you a God as well. And I just just encourage and ask everybody in the village to take away this pride, this pridefulness, and think this what a marvelous world we got here. It's unbelievable how beautiful this world is. But start praying, because God wants to pray. Wants us to pray to Him. He wants us to uh, be a part of His glory. And I just encourage everybody. To be like little children, as you know, we could go on earth for hours and like talking mm. about things in more depth. But it's like my little granddaughter Maddie and Mally. Um, you know, they would be in the in church at tab, and they'd have their hands up, and they're like babes, you know, they're from the mouth of babes, and they would pray and stuff. And it was so such such a marvelous thing, you know. And we need to. Become like little children. Believe in the impossible. Believe in in miracles. You know, because uh, that's the answer. That's the answer to life. Is looking forward, to, and that's the holy, the only hope we got. Absolutely, is that when this life comes to an end, we got somewhere else that we can go to. Absolutely, and that's heaven. Well, thank you so much, mate, for chatting to me. It's been really good to catch up with you. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to do it in person uh, fairly soon. But uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you for your time, mate. That's all right, mate. God bless you, Nick. Bye. Thank you, Nigel. It's so good to hear how God has made such a difference and such a change in your life. If you'd like to give your testimony as part of a This Is Your Story recording, please get in contact with me. My email address is nick at ndadamson.com. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. To find out more about our church, including our service times, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.